0: Thanks, DeBron. Before the offering plate goes by, remember to, if you haven't signed up to volunteer for our Harvest Festival, put your name on there, check one or two boxes, and put it in the offering plate as it goes by. Okay, my name's John Maurer, and I just want to highlight our mission statement today. Uh, We really do everything we can to live and embody this out. And so our mission statement is extravagant love, sacrificial generosity. This mission statement is played out in two ways. One, we experience God through, we experience God's sacrificial generosity towards us, but we also experience God's extravagant love towards us. And guess what? As we experience God in that way, guess what our response is? Our response is the same to people around us, our response is the exact same love and grace and generosity and extravagant love that God pours into us, it's then given away to other people. And we want to do this, and we want to do this really well at our church. So um, let's live into our mission statement, what God is calling us to be and become, okay? Um, And one of the ways that you can help in that is, next week we're starting a brand new series called Unstuck. And the subtitle is How to rise above the worst day of your life. Um, And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at this issue for the next three or four weeks. And um, I don't know about you, but there's been traumatic moments in my life where I just feel all the gates of hell just came crashing down on me. And I'm like, what do I do? What's my response? And a lot of times our response is like stop, stop, we get paralyzed and we do nothing. And so we're going to be looking at a story from the Old Testament and it gives us this pattern on what to do during the worst day of our life. And how do we actually get unstuck? How do we move forward? And so we'll be unpacking this over the next couple weeks. It's going to be a great series. And one of the reasons why I bring this up is not to try to get you to come next week, but my main reason to bring this up is in your in your bulletin, your communicator, there's a little flyer that matches this. And here's what I would love for you to do think and pray about who you should give this to. Maybe a neighbor, maybe one of a co worker, maybe you're a boss and one of your employees is just stuck right now. And so maybe, just maybe, this would be a tool for God's purpose and plan in their life. And so think about who you could give this to this week. And invite them in the journey. Maybe you want to take a picture and put it on your Facebook page or something else. Um, so this is available. I want to encourage you to this is going to be an amazing series and actually I think this series is really out of some of my own pain, my own difficult scenarios in life and, and what, what some of the things that God is uh, encouraging me to not get stuck. Okay. So that's going to start next week and then I want to mention one other announcement. And that is um, every Tuesday, and I didn't do this during the summer, but I did it during the academic school year last year. Uh, it's every Tuesday from 4 to 6, I sit at Starbucks Coffee in the middle of downtown San Dimas, and I just chat with people. And so um, I took the summer off. I started again last week. Um, um, we had some people join me, and it was just really fun. So I want to encourage you, if you ever have questions about maybe theology, or questions about life, or maybe about being stuck in life, or whatever else, um, we would love for you to come and join us. And, and uh, sometimes there's just two, m- sometimes it's me and one other person. Sometimes there's five of us there. And normally I'll say, hey, is there something personal that you want to talk to me about? And everybody else is like, if, if the other people there, I'm like, could you just give me ten minutes with this one person, and I'll pray for you, whatever we need to do. But it's, it's really fun to get to know you, get to know your hearts. Um, but it's uh, four to six. Starbucks coffee, uh, downtown San Dimas. Okay, um, I'm not speaking today, and we are finishing the series. Kate, come on up here. This is my better half. I know. I, I, I always mention that I, I married up. I really encourage us if you're not married. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, um, actually, she's 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 amazing. She's. She's um, the love of my life, and and I'm so grateful that uh, Kate's able to share with you this morning. She's going to finish off this series called Think, and uh, she's going to jump in. And so, but I'm going to, let me, as she's, I think she wants to get that stool, but as she's doing that, I just want to give you the heads up on where we've been over the last couple weeks. And basically, we said that we were going to use Philippians 4.8 as this filter for our thinking. And we said, so many Christians, they get stuck in the way they think, and they ruminate over the same negative thought. And guess what? It, st- it sinks in from our mind into our heart. And so we said, what if we use Philippians 4.8 as our filter? And that's really what Paul's calling us to. So he says, now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Paul says, fix your thoughts on what is true. So that filter, we're saying if it's true it gets past that filter. And what is honorable? If it's honorable, it gets past that filter. And if it's right and pure, it gets past the filter into our brain and ultimately our heart. What is it, whatever's lovely and admirable, think about these. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And so the human mind is going to fix itself on something, have you noticed? You think about something. And so the, as we do that, Let's use this as our filter for our thinking, okay? So we're going to fix ourselves on something. Let's focus on God and God's goodness to the exclusion of all else. And so with that, um, I'm going to pray for Kate, and she's going to finish off this series on think. So Holy Spirit, come. Lord, we pray that you would use uh, Kate's heart and words and life for us this morning. We love you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, come. Fill her up. Use her. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Alright, good morning everybody. Looks like I'm really thirsty, but here, this is my security blanket right here, Starbucks. I'm sure you mostly have, all of you have seen me carry this. Um, I am, some people would say addicted. I just like to say I'm grateful. There's one around the corner. I just, I feel inspired every day to drink this, okay? I don't feel addicted. And then water, just because, you know, nerves and excitement and all the things. So. I am so happy to share with you today, I get to talk about joy, which is something that I love to talk about. So who here has grown up in the church? Can I just get a raise of hands here? Okay, so a good amount of you. This is not to shame anyone that did not grow up. We're glad you're here. Um, but who knows the song, and this is probably anyone that's like 35 or older maybe would know the song, The Joy of the Lord is My Strength. It goes like this, the joy of the Lord is strength. If you know it, sing with me. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Okay, yeah, good job. Okay, give yourselves a hand. That sounded amazing. Okay, so the reason I bring this up is because when I was a a child, um, I grew up in a very joyful, happy home. Uh, My parents loved the Lord. And so my mom, this is at the time... These are the types of songs that were, like, sung during worship, you guys. This is it, you know? So mom would come home throughout the week, and she's singing all these songs. Another one was, um, I won't sing it for you this time, but uh, Rejoice in the Lord Always. And again, I say rejoice. Okay, so there was all these happy songs that were kind of going through the church at the time. And so my mom would just be, she would come out, and she'd be dancing and singing these songs and, like, just in a silly voice, and then she'd come around and kiss us all in the cheek and then be on her way with cleaning or doing whatever moms do, right? All the things. Um, and I just remember, at, like when we were little, we would join in and sing with her. And then as we grew up, we would totally roll our eyes and just be like, Ugh, "The joy of the Lord." Okay, we get it. And um, but it's it's so interesting to me that it became such a fond memory and such an important story in my family's journey because I feel like it's something that I have applied in my own life in my own family. Um, and so I have um, been asked throughout my life, how, how are you always so happy? Okay, this is like a common question I've heard since I was a little girl. Or um, another one was, you just seem to be a naturally positive person. That's like, it comes up and up and up all throughout my life and I used to just be like, I don't know, you know, like I don't really have an answer. Well, now that I'm a grown adult, I'm realizing it's not natural. It's a learned behavior. It's something that is taught. It is something that is chosen. And I just realized, oh, it is my mother who put this in me. Um, And so I I regularly choose this in my life. I'm a glass-half-full kind of girl anyway. Um, It is part of my personality, but also it is just choice, and we all have this choice. Um, So joy is not circumstantial. Okay, here's the thing. If it was this past year... I would not have had joy, okay? There's a lot of change. There's a lot of bumpy roads. Um, for those of you that don't know, we moved here a year ago. Our house hadn't sold. We, um, But I want to pause and, and give some gratitude right now. We had Mary Jo opened her upstairs to the family of seven, okay? Can we just clap for that? Because that alone <laughs> is amazing. Then we moved to the RVs. If anyone was not here during that season, we were parked behind the church. We had two RVs. Um, That in itself is a provision because, um, first of all, uh, how do you get two different families to offer you their RVs, right? And secondly, one of the families, it was their main vacation. It was what they used almost all the time, like every month. Like it was not, it was sacrifice on their end, okay? So we lived in there for four months and the joy did dwindle in there a little bit, okay? I'm not going to (laughs) lie. I'm sure that you would see it on my face some weeks. I probably looked weary, and I was like, okay, come on, God. What is the plan? Do we have a plan here, you know? And then we got to move into the Egan's home. They moved out of their current home, and they are so gracious. They let us move in, which was just like I was practically bringing boxes in as Mary was taking boxes out. The poor thing, I was like, I'm sorry, but I just, I couldn't even wait to get my feet into a home, okay? Um, So this past year has been very interesting, but yet we have seen God's provision. We've seen his goodness. Everyone in this church has just been so loving and gracious. You've done your part. I mean, there's everything from just encouraging words to people bringing us meals at different points of transition, and then you know, our house finally selling, and now we get to purchase the Egan's home, which is really exciting, Um, so that's the next phase, yay! Um, So that is kind of where we are in that, so I I just wanted to fill you in, because some of you have probably wondered, we've just been on this rocky roads, we are finally going to get to settle, so I took about a week to say yes to John about speaking, because I was like, ah, my mind is so, so much in chaos, which is like, all the things from Baton Rouge showed up, and we stuffed them into a 1,500-square-foot house from a 4,400-square-foot house, and it's legit stuffed right now. I mean, we are just, we don't come over yet. Okay, Melina <laughs> could witness that. She popped over the other day, and I was, like, debated. Do I open the door? Because I don't know who's there. And she came to the wrong door, and it was the door where it's just an explosion, and I was like, oh, well. I was like, hello. <laughs> you know, it's just life. We just, we just go for it, right? All right, so I took took a whole week to make this because my mind was not so much on, oh, and then he tells me, oh, and by the way, the subject matter is joy. And so I was like, oh, great, this is great, okay. So then my mind wasn't exactly on this positive, exciting, I'm going to speak on joy. It was more like I need to paint rooms. I need to get everyone settled. My brain was like in activator mode. I mean, John can witness this. I... I don't do things in the proper order of what a type A would do, okay? So if you come over, you're going to be like, I don't see the light here. I don't see the end of the tunnel. But I'm like, okay, clear this room out. We're going to paint it, you know? And then I put the things back that we want, and then I move on. So that's kind of where I was. So here I was in the middle of painting the boys' room this week. It was their turn. Second coat of paint. I'm feeling good because I am about, I'm on the home stretch. I've probably got like one wall left. Boys are going to be coming home any minute. And also I hear Haven scream from the other room, uh, Mom, I just stepped in poop. And I'm like, what? And she goes, there's poop everywhere. And I'm like covered in paint, right? So I'm like, oh, this, I'm like, really? And so at this point I have two choices. I can either choose to be like, just make it happen, because this is something I would do. I would say, like if I was going to choose the grumpy way, I would be like, Just get it together and just make it happen. Just clean up the mess and just, just, I'm busy. Like, I just need you to make this happen. Whatever's happening, I don't want to know. Just, you're old enough to do it, right? So, but in the moment, I was like, okay, poop is kind of a bigger deal, so, uh, all right. So I, like, I decide I'm going to go assess the situation. You guys, she was not lying. It was an explosion of I'm not going to go into all the details for you, except for there was, I'll just give you a smidge. There was a laundry pile in the bathroom because it was my dirty laundry pile. And that's where everything occurred, okay? Then Shepard tried to fix the problem himself with towels and whatnot. So I've got poop load of laundry, towels, then I've got step marks because he went around to the other bathroom for unknown reasons... And I'm following the poop marks, and I'm like, really, this is happening? And I'm like, covered in paint, my paintbrush is now drying out. I like, look in the bathroom, and I'm like, hey, bud, what happened? And he's like, me not, know. (laughs) And I was like, okay. So I like, turn the shower on, scrub him down, put him in the shower, and then I'm like, Haven, you're gonna handle the clean baby now from here, okay? And then I just said, and I'm gonna ignore the rest of the poop for now, (laughs) because I have to get back to my painted wall so that I can finish so that it doesn't dry out. So I go back and paint the wall. Well, this is the funny part. So I'm choosing to, I'm like literally laughing because at this point, because what can, what can you, you can either cry or you can laugh at this point. And I hear the boys come in, and one at a time I'm hearing different things like, why is there poop on my jeans? And then I hear like, what, what is that smell? And, like, different people are coming in, and, like, you know, and I'm just dying laughing. I'm just like, this is just classic Maurer family right here. Like, everything is happening at once. So long story long, um, I, I finished the painting, and then I went and handled the situation, and we washed that load of laundry four times on the heavy su- cycle with deep rinse, okay, just so that you know and you're not afraid to come over to my home after the story, um, but here's the thing: I could have just—it it was so impressive what happened that day. Um, but I—I could have chosen um, joy plus poop explosion or just poop explosion. And to me, it was way more fun in the laughing to have the joy added to the circumstance, right? Um, because we can't—we can't allow our circumstances to dictate, um, you know, how we're feeling in life, or we would just always go with the default feeling. Um, so don't say anything to Chef. He's old enough to know that he, w- he might be embarrassed. It was a true accident, and he's so wonderful and sweet, so I don't mean to do that to embarrass him, so I just want to make sure no one says anything to him. Someday I'm going to tell that story in public when he's older, and that will be okay with me. <laughs> but all right, so um, joy is the outcome of our thoughts, of gratitude, and our choices. Um, we have the capacity... To use the gifts of the Spirit and our free will to experience the most joy that we can on this side of eternity. Um, in its simplest form, it's a gift. It's a gift from the Holy Spirit. We don't have to strive for this gift. It's just literally handed to us, and we just have to use it. Um, so we've all heard of the fruit of the Spirit. We're gonna we're gonna um, go to Galatians five twenty two, and it says, "But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives: love." joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. And I, I, I'm i sure that you all want to feel these things in your life. This is When I look at this, I just think, wow, if we actually let these gifts of the Spirit rise up and out of us, we could change the world, you know? I, I can look at this list, and I can tell you exactly which ones are flowing out of me, recently and which ones I need to work on. You know, the patience is a little rocky. Um, you know, the gentleness sometimes is not gentle when there's, you know, explosions and all the, all the things are happening. So I know which ones I need to work on. But I'm going to back up to verse 13 and I'm going to read from the message. The message is a paraphrase. It's not a translation. But I really love it because um, uh, it, it just expands this verse for us. We often hear verses over and over. We could spout off maybe John 3.16 or we hear the fruit of the spirit and love, joy, peace, patience. especially if you've grown up in the church, you could just rattle these things off in your heart and it just becomes like common and we forget what it actually means. So I'm going to read it to you in the message. Um, here it is. Galatians 5.13. It is absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. My counsel is this. Live freely, animated, and motivated by God's Spirit. Then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness, for there is a root of sinful self-interest in us that is at odds with the free spirit so that you cannot live at times one way and at times another way according to how you feel on any given day. It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never-satisfied wants, a brutal temper an impotence to love or to be loved. Divided homes, divided lives, small-minded, lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community, and I could go on. If you use your freedom this way, you will not inherit God's kingdom. But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, a conviction that, that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Since this is the kind of life we have chosen, the life of the Spirit, let us make sure that we do not hold it as an idea in our heads or a sentiment in our hearts, but work out its implications in every detail of our lives. That means we will not compare ourselves with each other as if one of us were better and another worse. We have far more interesting things to do with our lives. Each of us is an original. Isn't that such a beautiful way to look at that chapter? It, if you've never read the message, you should get a message Bible because it's really fun to read you know, a traditional translation and then go and reread it in a new, fresh way. So joy is a physical sign that the Holy Spirit is in us. It's not the only physical sign, but it's one of the physical signs. Um, and we, If we have Jesus in our lives and we have already have this gift, and but we still have to choose to use it, okay? It's like as if somebody were to hand you a tool, okay? I'm going to use a really funny tool called a coffee maker because I love coffee, okay? If someone's going to hand me a coffee maker and I just hang on to it, it's not going to produce delicious coffee for me. It's not going to produce delicious coffee for you. It, it's not going to function the way it was made to function. It's just going to be, you know, in my hands, and it's going to be unutilized, and no one gets delicious coffee. I mean, what a waste, right? But if I plug it in, and I decide to use it, and I start serving coffee, in my, and it's pouring out for other people, literally pouring out, uh, then, you know, everyone can enjoy the delish- delicious coffee. It's the same thing with the Spirit's gifts. We have them. They've been handed to us. If we just hold them here, we're not utilizing them. You know, if they're just in our heart and they're in our minds, he says that in that verse, we're not, we have to actually put them into practice. What are the implications? What does this mean? How can we apply this to our everyday life? So I have three brothers and a foster sister. I have, I, there's a picture of us up here. <laughs> I look a little round in this one. I'm the second one in. I mean, duh, I'm the only girl. But I was like, oh, it's not very cute, but we're wearing Joy shirts, and this really feels fitting. So I had to go with the Joy shirt picture. So um, as you can see, uh, I am the one second, and then Jeff is in the middle too. So we were, the, we were very close, my middle brother and I. And so here's, here's the deal. My parents, like I said, they, they taught us um, such beautiful ways. They brought us to church. We always felt loved. I mean, I, I, I literally feel like I lived that life that is like a dream, like on TV. I sometimes feel bad about how amazing my life is when I hear about other people's stories, but then I also feel gratitude uh, even more so when I hear other people's stories. So mom always used to say this phrase. She'd say, you have a choice, and she would always say, I mean, like so much that it was really annoying, okay, if I'm honest. She was like, you get to choose. I mean, like, this phrase came out of her mouth hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of times, from when I was little, all the way up through those uh, teenage years, when the grumps would come on, you know, and you just, and she would always just say, you have a choice. And so she taught us that we could choose right from wrong, and that we could always choose the right path, and the right attitude, and the right words, all the time, no matter what, because the Spirit of God was in us. So she just, It was just like this is the way it is, and you have a choice. It's your free will. So I'm not, you know, God's not going to force you to use these gifts, but you have them at your disposal. You need to choose the right way. So my brother and Jeff and I were really close. We were playing, laughing, goofing around, hanging out together all the time, sneaking into each other's rooms at night, talking for hours, that kind of thing. We would once in a while get into an argument. I was a good kid, so hardly ever, just kidding, Not really. He was a good kid, too. Uh, But Mom, she could always tell when something my face would change. My eyebrows would do this. And I could never hide if if the joy was missing. Does that make sense? She was like, I can see it. So she'd be like, Katie, you need to go into your room, and you stay there until you can choose joy. You can come out whenever you choose joy. So this is her way of, like, consequence. It was never, like, you're going to go in there for 10 minutes, and then you're going to come out and be happy. It was like you get to go and if you need two hours till you feel joy, you may have two hours. If you feel one minute, you can choose joy right now, you may come out. So that was kind of the way it worked at my house. So we would go to our rooms, we'd come out, and then of course you'd be like, We need to apologize to one another. And Jeff's classic, he was like, sorry. <laughs> I mean, just like no joy to be found. And it was like and mom would say, Okay, Jeffrey, that is not sorry. We need to try it again. And then she would say he would say, sorry, and she'd be like, no, that's not really the right attitude of sorry, and then finally, it was like the controlled version of I'm sorry, you know, uh, another fruit of the spirit, go figure, um, and so that was kind of how my mom taught us growing up, and so as high school approached, I remember um, the hormones were changing, and some of my friends would get super cranky, and crabby, and catty, and whatever, and I remember asking my mom, mom, I notice that you're literally never grumpy. How how do you stay joyful? And she just said to me, she said you can feel one way and choose a different way. She goes, it's not that I never feel grumpy. It's not that I never want to be mean or unkind. I have that in my heart. We all do. We're people. But you can always choose And I just, that really stuck with me. And I have tried to instill it in my children. I feel like my mother has done a better job than me, okay? So when, you know, don't judge the parenting trail. We're all on our own journey there. (laughs) Okay. So um, when we lived in Atlanta, we had a worship leader named Tova. And um, it was right when the song, Blessed Be the Name of the Lord, came out. Do you know that one? Okay. You give and take away, you give and take away. Okay, so that was really popular at this time. And unfortunately, her big brother, he was a free diver, and he was in an accident, and he lost his life. And I just remember um, the, the impact that it had on her. I mean, she was, of course, grieving, devastated. It was terrible. But she clung to this song, and she sang it so much. She had her guitar everywhere she went in that season, and she would sing that song wholeheartedly, and invite her family and friends in, and celebrate his life with music, because that was one of the things they did together, and, and it was like, the joy was found in the celebration of his life. The joy was found in the choosing to worship the Lord. The joy was found, even though she was feeling all these things, it wasn't like she was not authentic to her grief. It was not like she just pushed all that aside. She felt it deeply, and yet, it was like coming to their home and just hearing the stories and seeing how they responded it was just beautiful it was like very remarkable I just remember thinking I have never witnessed um, such peace and joy um, like in the midst of such pain and that really stuck with me um, but yeah we can we can react the same way to uh, the broken places in our lives we can re- retell our story and it, the question is where's the gratitude and the pain right Um What is something that you can see God at work in, even in your trial? We can still be authentic, but we can also still be controlled and kind and loving and joyful. We have the tools. God's put the gifts in our hands already. We have them at our disposal, and we can feel better even in our pain. So I remember Michelle was my foster sister. I should have brought a picture of her, too. I don't know why I didn't, but she was my neighbor growing up. And how I met her was my brother was selling candy bars when he was in elementary, and I was little, probably five. And so I went with him. We were trudging down. It was snowy because I lived in Wisconsin. Trudged down the whole neighborhood selling candy bars with them. Got to Michelle's house. She, they invited us in and gave us hot cocoa. That was back in the day when you could do that, and you wouldn't get, like, in trouble for doing that. You know, inviting a kid into your house nowadays is just not the way to go. But I went in, they gave us hot chocolate, I met Michelle, and it was like friends forever at that point. Like, we just, every day at each other's houses, back and forth, back and forth, riding bikes um, for all the years, just, you know, I just remember summer days and sleepovers and all the things. Well, when she hit junior high, she kind of, um, her family life was a little bit different, beautiful family, but they just, friction between the parents and Michelle. I mean, it was just like, oh, oil and water, terrible I always was just thinking, how can they fight this much? I, don't, I couldn't grasp it because I didn't have that. And so long story short, she was a sassy pants, so I do not blame everything on her parents, I can tell you that. And she got kicked out. And I remember telling my mom, Mom, we have to invite her in. You can't just let her, like, have no home. And my mom was like, oh, great. Here I have to really put this into action now, right? So she became a foster parent specifically for Michelle. And asked her parents, could we just invite her in and then help you reconcile for however long it takes. Well anyway, she would come um, when she moved in originally she was like um, she always had the glass half full syndrome. I was the half no, half empty and I was half full. And so she would be like, oh I can't stand this person or this person makes me so mad. Very negative. And she gave me permission to share all this by the way. Um, And I remember always having to like help her see the other way, you know. Always helping her retrain her, almost because at this point we're in junior high, and I'm already trained. Okay, my mom duh, like she beat this over her head. Choice, 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 forever, right? So she moves into our home and she learns this new way. And she ha- she's she's a mom of four now. Her family's beautiful. She's reconciled with her family. But, you know, her whole demeanor changed over that time. And, yeah, of course, we all have our grumpy times, and we all, you know, grumble and complain about things. But she now has the tools to grow into that choosing joy, and she has instilled that in her kids as well. So I just love um, I love that story about how she, she got to join our family and learn learn that. And it's like almost... Reiter- reiterates what my mom was teaching us. Because sometimes when you think, you think oh, my mom, you know, that's just what she says, but I don't know if it's really true. And, you know, you don't really trust everything that they're saying. Um, but it was just, it was a good reminder that it was true. So now that I've officially um, made it sound like I'm a professional joy chooser, I'm going to have John come on up here and give a testimony. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> Not really, okay. I'm capable, yes, but I don't always. We fall into our traps. We default, you know, we fall off the train, whatever you want to say. So how do we choose to react a certain way when I feel something different? And it's just taking practice. It's just instilling that, inviting the spirit to just go before you and manifest through you and saying, God, I really want you to manifest these fruits in my life. And, You know, a fruit doesn't try to become, okay? It's just, it just shows up on a healthy tree. So if we are rooted in Christ, if we have the Holy Spirit in us, which we do, and we just allow God to make us healthy in him, it will just be there. We don't have to try really, really hard. But in those moments, it's like God gives us with that free will. It's like, it's just like a flicker, an instant of choosing either the negative way or the positive way. So here's a real-life example of uh, something that could take place in my own home that would produce negativity or joy, depending on my choice. Um, Let's say John's been working too many hours. Unlikely, but possible. (laughs) Wink, wink. (laughs) Um, I get to choose my reaction towards him, okay? This is, you know, all marriages have their thing. This is just one of the things. I'm sure he could name, like, a thousand compared to my, like, two that I have against him, right? So I could be irritated with John for working too many hours when he comes home, and I could ruin the whole rest of the time that I do have with him because I'm so annoyed that I didn't have the other time, but then now I'm ruining all of it, okay? So I could, number one, be p- with a pout or a scowl. Come on, don't judge me. You know what I'm talking about, the pout, scowl, the rolling of the eyes, whatever, just like the not happy face. Number two, I could barely chat. Come on, who else does this? They ignore and they kind of make the person guess. We all do this sometimes. (laughs) I am not alone here. Number three, ignore the household chores. This gets them every time. If I want to make them mad, this is the one. Okay. (laughs) And so, if I do this, joy is absolutely nowhere to be found. There's defensiveness. There's arguing. There's negativity. Our house is a mess. There's—I mean, we're we're just—we're just—we're fighting at this point. But instead, if I choose to rally the kids and be like, okay, the house is a tornado, 10-minute tidy, dad's coming home, and then, which we both value, by the way, but I'm just not very good at maintaining, okay? I'm really good at making spaces gorgeous and beautiful and then letting them fall to pieces, and then we have to do it all over again. So I need the kids on board with me. So number two, if I welcome them with genuine smile and a kiss, that really goes well for me. Um and here's the neat thing about smiling, laughing and kissing, endorphins are released in our bodies and it actually makes us feel good physically our chemistry changes in our brains and it's like woo we feel good. So if you're having a hard time in life, smile, try smiling, try laughing, turn on a funny movie. If you're in physical pain, even this can help your physical pain. It is scientifically proven when you're laughing that it changes your physical pain. So I, I looked that up. It's really cool. Um, and number three, I would I, if I ask him how his day was. The atmosphere is one hundred percent different, and it's calm and it's peaceful. And there's usually a reason. All my assumptions on why he was where he was and why it was taking so long. There's usually ten, a thousand reasons why it's valid and amazing. Okay, and it, it was just me assuming that it wasn't right. And we all have these things. So I can still feel frustrated over something, but then if I welcome him with joy. Guess what? There's, there's room for conversation and working things out because we're not just like butting heads and, you know, fighting like everyone does, I think. Um, and who doesn't want scenario two? I don't even know why I ever choose one, but I have done it, but I'm not really sure why. It's just weakness, you know, not letting the Holy Spirit uh, be in control in those times. So There's always changing circumstances. Your health might be good, then your marriage is bad. Your marriage is good, then your kids are terrible. Your kids and marriage are great, and your finances are falling apart. Finances are fine, but then you're upset about your weight or your friends or your faith or your home or your no job or your fill-in-the-blank. So here's Philippians 4, 8. This is the verse that we have gone over the past few weeks, and let's just remind ourselves. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble... Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And I just feel like gratitude is a really great thing to throw in here because when we're thinking about those things, it usually has to do with how grateful we're feeling. You know, when we're focused on those positive things, it has to do with the good things in our life. Here it is in the message. I just wanted to read it in the message for you as well. Summing it all up, friends, uh, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you learned from me and and what you heard and saw and realized. Do that, and God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. All right, so let's start by remembering that we have been gifted the fruit of the Spirit, and it's free, and when we utilize it, it's better than what we would normally choose in our own humanity. Um, be encouraged. You can totally choose joy in your life. So I'm going to just go through some practical tips with you, uh, invite the worship band to come back up. And So here's number one. I know, it's a lot of words up there. Um, <laughs> How much joy do you feel on any given day? Invite the Holy Spirit to manifest his gifts in you. And here's what all the rest of the words are. It's rating these different areas in your life um, according to joy. So rate it from 1 to 10 just in your heart this week. You you could take a picture of it if you want to do this later on. Um, So like number one, relationships. Maybe you have a relationship that's in shambles, but your friends are a rock for you. So it's like, Assessing your joy level and then finding something grateful in that trial. Number two, your finances. Maybe your debt is about to drown you, but you have food on your table. So that's another thing you could be grateful for in the middle of the chaos and the, and the stress. You're finding that, that piece of gratitude. Number three, spirituality. Maybe you can't sense God's presence, but you see his provision for you. Number four, at work. Maybe you don't like your work environment, but you have a job that takes care of you. Number five, living environment. Maybe you're under heaps of junk, like I am, but you have everything you could possibly need and way more. And so that's that's how you flip it around and you can see the goodness in your life. Uh, Number seven, health. Uh, Maybe you have a new diagnosis that's really hard, but you still have breath in your lungs and another day to celebrate. This is how we find the joy. Number two, are you known for your joyful spirit? And how can you become known for this? Start with a smile. Laugh. Find as many ways to laugh as possible this week. I don't know if you're if you're not friends with me on Facebook, come and friend me so that you can see my funny story from last week. But my car is a piece of junk, okay? And things keep breaking on still gets from A to B. So I really can't complain that much. I still have a vehicle. And that's the next on the list for is coming. I see the light. But, um, so the other day, it rained for, like, it wasn't really rain. Remember, the like, the mist? But everyone in California calls it rain, but it's not rain. It's, like, wet air, okay? Well, my van was so dirty that I was, like, I need to, like, uh, put the windshield wipers on just to clear it, because it was, like, mud and just, my on my windshield. So I turn on my windshield wipers and then you know, it's clear enough, and I go to try to turn them off, and they will not turn off, okay? And not only that, but they're not on, like, the slow now and then. They're like, cuckoo, cuckoo, and I'm, like, feeling cuckoo in the middle, and, like, everyone's staring at me. I'm, like, at stoplights, and they're like, it's like, it's like it's raining, like the, like, the flood is coming, and I'm ready, you know, and I'm, like, dying laughing. I'm laughing, laughing, and Shep keeps saying, Mom, you're laughing. I'm like, I know I'm laughing, And so I drive all the way to Vicki's house. They're still going. I turn off my car and take the key out, and they are still going. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I have a video on Facebook, and I'm, like, literally laughing and laughing and laughing. My mom said, that video was just, like, you know, brought joy to her soul because of that laughter, that that belly laughing, just letting the weird circumstances of life bring joy into, into your heart. All right, number three, make a list of 50 things you're grateful for things we're grateful for, signal the hidden places of joy. This will help you see places in your life where there is